Brandon Belt's not the only hero in Toronto. I stub my toe. I have a huge coffee table. It's metal of some kind. I bought it thinking that it had real stone. Turns out it doesn't. The stones on top are... Oh. You would have thought, based on where I got it from, that it was real stone. But it turns out it's a laminate over, I think, just concrete. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> it's the heaviest coffee table on earth. Well, it got made of concrete. No, like, you, you, yeah, it's... I'm surprised that my floor can hold it up. <laughs> I stubbed my toe off of it last night, celebrating. I, I have not had a hell yes moment watching a Blue Jays game like that in a little while. It, it's been a little while since there was something that felt that good. Mm-hmm. That was, as the wrestling fans say, too sweet. <laughs> I nailed my toe because I... I did a kick. I went like, yes, on the couch, you know, the like scissor kick. Right. I got you. And then caught the end of my toe stub on the table. Didn't think I was ever going to be the same. I'm surprised you're walking today. I was full Peter Griffin doing the. <laughs> and then I tweeted through it. Cause again, heart of a champion. Yeah. And then enjoyed that blue Jays victory. Mm-hmm. What a swing for Brandon belt. Also, I, I'm a bat flip guy through and through, by the way. I, yeah. people, I, I actually hate the question at this point when people go, what are your thoughts on bat flips? And you say, are you serious? Are we really? This is done. There was the one goose gossage moment that we had in 2015, and then there were a couple of other ones spotty where people thought it was showing up a picture. Blah, blah, blah. I, I hate the debate. Celebrate however the hell you want. Honestly, you could go over to the pitcher after you hit the home run, in my opinion, and start just beaking him immediately, saying stuff. Stop on your way to first base in the middle and start giving a diatribe for 10 minutes. And I would stand there going, (laughs) yes, correct. Way to go. Don't care. But I also love the act like you've been there before home run that Brandon Belt had, especially in that spot. Yeah. It's Baltimore Orioles. They've kick the crap out of you all season long. Mm-hmm. They've dominated you. They're, they are your daddy. Yep. In fact, I thought for sure the first inning was going to be the story of the game where it was Vladdy grounds into a double play oh. with runners in scoring position. And then the Orioles find out a way to score, to get a run home with two outs. Yeah. They, they just manufacture one with runners in scoring position. And I'm going, they are your daddy. They put you, what is it, a little swaddle? They swaddle you. They rock you. They warm the milk up for you. Between the cradle. Everything. <laughs> Sing you a lullaby. They put that little monitor thing in the crib, and they watch you sleep. Yeah, they're sitting in the next room waiting for you to start crying. They're your daddy. Not anymore, thanks to Brandon Bell. Actually, still, for sure, if they win this series. But, man, they needed that step. They needed that moment, and you could see what it meant to the dugout. You could see what it meant to the team. Vladdy pokes one immediately after, which actually felt really nice. They make a mistake. You catch the extra run, which felt also kind of important just in terms of taking away the heebie-jeebies, even though Jordan Romano looks lights out. Huge moment for Brandon Belt. Tough moment for my toe. Big spot for Blue Jays fans. That's the kind of win that makes you believe because here's the facts. The Mariners have a schedule that you do not want to go look at. Do not Google Mariners schedule and then scroll because it's that's, that's doom scrolling. 
That's doom scrolling, yeah. baby. You want to feel really bad? You want to feel down in the dumps? You scroll the Mariners' schedule and you look at what they have ahead of them. It is getting harder and harder and harder and harder to believe that that team with that attitude and that red-hot superstar is going to screw this thing up. And they are the Mariners, though. That's what I will say. As someone who is a lifetime of Mariners experience, who grew up out West, I can tell you that their signature move is blowing it. And that's what even makes last year to the to the Mariners with the Jays even worse, that you didn't just lose. You lost to the, that, the team that loves to blow it. So don't look at their schedule. But the Jays, they, they got to get hot. They got to win some games. They can't go through August 500, which is what they're hovering around right now. Now I think they're two games above 500 in August. Even still, got to be better. Got to win ball games. Got to capitalize on that next series. But it all starts with this Baltimore one. What that would do for this ball club. I'm talking to Siddle in a couple of minutes. And I, I can't wait to hear from a real ball player about what the psyche is in moments like this. Because I, I don't know. I can only extrapolate. I got to think that it is meaningful. I think that it is important. But he would know. Also, quick side tangent before I talk about the bullpen. We're so... I've said this a million times. And it always sounds like I'm bootlicking... And it sounds like a suck-up move, and I get it. If I heard it, I would go, I would roll my eyes to a certain degree if I was the type of cynical person, which I am. We are so lucky to have Joe Siddle and Dan Shulman. It is outrageous, the, the broadcast team that is assembled for the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. It is so good. Dan and Joe are calling this game, and it's perfection. I, I, maybe this is a little bit of a person in media's take, but, and who watches a lot of sports and who sees a lot, who hears a lot of crews, I would say across, you can pick any sport, any sport. And those two guys and when Buck's in there too, same thing like that trio, it's untouchable. You can't beat it. It's insane. That they're, they trot out the middle of the 2015 Blue Jays lineup every single night where it's just mashers. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm actually genuinely grateful that those guys call our games. I need to say that before we called Joe so he didn't hear it on the line so it wasn't awkward. So now I can move on to the bullpen. Okay, you want to believe in why the Jays can win a World Series? That. It's the bullpen. Mm-hmm. The starting pitching has been phenomenal. I don't want to seem like I'm denigrating it at all. But you really just need five from them. You just need five. You get six. Sweet. Don't want to run the bullpen out. Don't want to have that every single night. But you need five innings with a lead. This team, find a way to squeak out leads. Find a way to squeak out leads so that you can hand it over to that group of assassins. Hilarious in a way that the the biggest problem for this front office for years was the bullpen. Yeah. They couldn't figure it out. Couldn't find guys cost them the playoffs realistically in the Semyon year. It genuinely did. Everyone thinks about the Semyon play with Detroit and them blowing it in against Washington and just being right on the cusp and remembering that Yankee series where it was the two aces, the two guys that went head to head. It was the Robbie Ray start against Garrett Cole. Yeah. And everyone, everyone 
that's a Blue Jays fan who fell in love with that team because that was one of the most exciting. That was really one of the most enjoyable Blue Jays seasons. But everyone remembers that as, yeah, Semyon doesn't make the, fir- the play to first against the Detroit Tigers and the loss to the Yankees with Robbie Ray versus Garrett Cole. And those two games became the, oh, that's why he was. It was the bullpen. Their bullpen stunk that year. They mm-hmm. killed them that year. They buried them that year. And, and they did it for the longest time. Couldn't figure it out. They went in the offseason. Everyone went, okay, this is the priority. They couldn't figure it out. They couldn't figure it out. Year over year over year, the bullpen had been a nightmare. And even last year, everybody tried to tell you, oh, you have no idea how good Anthony Bass is. He's amazing. Anthony Bass, look at his numbers. Yeah, sure, he's not the profile of the guy you want. And no, they needed swing and miss. They needed more in the bullpen. They didn't address it. They didn't do it. And then they went out and got Mitch White. And I don't even know where he is, but it's not major league baseball. And I don't think it is going to be anytime soon. So finally they built this bullpen. And I'm telling you, this is the reason to believe this is the reason to believe that the blue Jays can win a world series. They get in the playoff with that gang of killers and they eke out leads and you are dead meat. They have finally replicated the thing that killed them. In 2016, the thing that killed them in 2015, nightmarish bullpens that strike the fear of God in you when you're in a meaningful game, it starts to get tight, and it's you got to get a couple of ducks on the pond and make something happen. Gang of killers. Absolutely love that bullpen. Anyways, Joe Siddle, Blue Jays analyst, one of the best. Haven't had him in a while. Good morning, sir. How are we doing today? How are we feeling today? Fantastic morning in Baltimore here. Oh, yeah. Especially after that game last night. Did that not feel like playoff vibes or what? (sighs) Joe, it felt so playoff vibes that I celebrated the Brandon Belt home run like it was a playoff game, and I kicked my big toe off of my huge and very, very heavy coffee table. I'm hurting today. I'm playing through it. I'm, I'm not saying that so that, you know, you throw accolades my way for playing hurt and showing up and making it into the studio today. It's just being noted that that was a, that was a playoff-type celebration for me where it, it, an injury can get involved. Call a tow truck. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I really needed one. Okay, so I, I was saying this. I love a bat flip, but didn't you love Brandon Belt's reaction to the home run? Just the, I'm the veteran of the team. I'm supposed to do that. I'm the DH. I just trot around the bases as though that was, you know, middle of the year against Kansas City. That's who he is, though, right? Yeah. As we've gotten to know Brandon Belt, and I probably, the part that I love about him, he is just kind of like that ultimate kind of veteran guy that despite how things were going and we remember how they were going early and it started back in spring training. Remember coming off his, his knee injury and the blue Jays signed him to a one-year deal. And you're thinking this older guy, he's got experience. He's been there. He's won a world series. You love adding that, but it just didn't look right. It's just like, Jesus, this guy mm-hmm. done. And then he didn't start good in the early part of the season there. And he never did. He waver. I remember talking to him in spring training and it could have been after some bad days and never did he say, Oh no, it was just, I think he just guys like that, that have been around so much. They just know what they have to do. He's not a guy that you see hitting out on the field, batting practice, hardly ever, if ever, mm-hmm. he just obviously has his program and he knows what works for him. And I think he mentioned it to Arden post game on the field yesterday. It just, you go about your business and you, you hear guys talk about the, the term trust your process and we hear it and it, it kind of gets tiresome after a while, but that's a guy that must really just trust his process. He goes about his work every day and he's continued and I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, I doubted it big time early in the season. I'm sure everybody did because the results weren't good. We saw him chasing those high fastballs and he couldn't get to him. And he just looked like an easy guy to pitch to. And maybe, maybe father time has caught up, right? <laughs> well, was I ever wrong? because he has turned into a key piece right now. And I think, you know, between him and Dalton Varsho, if they can keep 
doing what they're doing or, or be hot like this because we talk so much about runners in scoring position and this Blue Jays offense and the frustrations and all, but the bottom line is, yes, the runners in scoring position is the critical issue with this team, I think, because you know we made some comparisons to the Orioles lineup last night, but if you hit for more power and you hit some more balls out of the ballpark, they help too. And last night, the Blue Jays hit two home runs, and that's mm-hmm. why they won the game. Home runs are cool. Managers love home runs. Mm-hmm. And that was big by Varsho early to, to get up on this team in Baltimore. Yeah, you know what take has died um, because of this baseball team, which will never surface again in the city as long as it's the, the generation of people who remember 2015, is do the Blue Jays hit too many home runs? Are they rally killers? That was the 2015 take. That's gone. <laughs> now people are like, you know what turns out is good, actually? Bombs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, bombs are good. I'm a big fan of these. Yeah, uh, you weren't alone on the Brandon Bell thing. I 100%. I, th- I think I sent maybe a nightly text message of get this guy out of here. <laughs> please, please just end the misery. He's clearly done. The swing is done. He's just too slow. It's, it's over. And yeah, uh, right after he OPS 534 in April and March, he went on to OPS 940 in May. So yeah, he turned it around fairly quickly. And yeah, that it's, it's been kind of history ever since you're right. The offense needs to hit with runners in scoring position. And yeah, maybe we'll just go to VAR show then right now. What are you, you guys were talking about the toe tap and then it was just kismet. It happens right away. You guys are breaking down VAR show and his approach. And then boom, he takes one of the yard. You know, I think it was Chapman with the toe tap earlier in the season where you were kind of doubting it and he started red hot and then he normalized and it kind of felt like, you know, you were right. How do you feel about VAR shows a plate right now, uh, approach right now and what he's doing at the plate? Well, his approach right now and what he's doing at the plate is very good. Whatever he's doing is working because he's seeing the ball a little bit better. When I asked Dalton about this a, a couple, it was just before after he started doing who's the LA series. And when Arden brought it up last night, it, it got to me to thinking that you know I like to watch the mechanical swing and, and the video and the break it down. So what he's doing right now and what he told me the reason was is to try to keep his head a little bit more still. With the leg kick, he felt like the head might have been going up, coming down, going out going forward, and there's a lot of head movement. And as a hitter, it's almost like if you've probably shagged fly balls at the local park, and when you're running and your head's bouncing a little bit, that ball's bouncing too. Well, you can imagine what it's like hitting. So he's trying to keep it a little bit more still. That's going to help you see the ball better, and that's clearly working. He's maybe not chasing as much. He's being better, more selective. When I look at the physical swing mechanically, though, I don't see a lot different. And the reason I say that is because he's a guy with that leg kick. He would come forward and almost land hard into that front side a little bit. And for me, those are the guys that they don't allow themselves to turn behind the baseball very well. Now, with that toe tap thing, he's just reaching out with his toe with his heel up. I still see that same move. He's still going hard into that front side. So I'm I'm not seeing a whole lot different mechanically there or with his turn with the barrel. But you can't argue the results. So I'm going to still reserve judgment on that. I'm going to watch him a little bit longer. I think a lot of these guys, and I'll be the first, you know, we watch this team every single day and every pitch of every game. It is so easy to pick out weaknesses in hitters because every hitter has a weakness. There are places you can pitch almost everybody. And when you're seeing a team every day, I don't know the Orioles hitters inside and out because I don't watch them, but I guarantee you very good lineup. I guarantee you if you go up and down there, there are places you can attack these guys to get them. And obviously the Blue Jays pitching have been doing a pretty good job of that. But I think with the Blue Jays hitters, when you attack a weakness, any hitter, and you execute your pitches, you're going to be successful. And I just feel like those, like, for example, last night, I mean, the home run, it's the fastball is down and out over the plate. I mean, that's mm-hmm. right to me and his swing path. It's right into his barrel. 
His base hit later, he got the change up, down and out over the plate. That, to me, is his swing path right into his barrel. When I see him, and now teams will have to attack what I consider his weakness, that ball in. Mm-hmm. Now, saying that, a lot of hitters have <laughs> that weakness in because you're covering the ball middle of the way. But I just find him out and around the ball, therefore not getting to that ball in. But we've also seen him get to it on occasion. So let's just keep watching. I'm not seeing tons mechanically different, but the results are very different. And you know what that does to your head mentally? A lot of good things. And he is playing with a lot of confidence right now. That uh, That's so big for him, though, right? It, it's felt as though he came in here with all the expectations of a big trade. He's clearly a gamer. And I, I have wondered at times how much he's just carrying the weight of expectation throughout the season. Sure. You're right. Like sure. there, there definitely appears to be a hole in the swing. And, and I don't think, like, I think he's OPSing like 920-something since August. He's been red hot, right? He's got four home runs yeah. this month. It's been great. He's been phenomenal. But I, I don't have any ideas anymore that Dalton Varsho is going to turn into the 885 OPS guy that maybe a lot of us thought he could be when he started the season in the cleanup spot. What I really just need from him is that, yeah, his mentals are correct enough that if pitchers do make those mistakes, that he can be a power hitter. And especially at home where they built that power alley for lefties. Like, this is what I want from Dalton Varsho. I don't expect you to hit for a ton of average. I expect you to strike out a bunch, but I want to see you run into those fastballs that people screw up and drive them deep and, and produce some runs deeper down the lineup. Like, that's my expectation for him. Yeah, the hitters that are the top hitters in the game, they can handle so much more. But when you're a Dalton Varsha, if you can, what you just said, hit the mistakes like he did last night, he does so many other things so well, right? In terms of the outfield play and the base running. And and one thing with him, I mean, watching him every day, and of course we're around the team a lot and you see a guy like this. I mean, he is like a go-to guy if you ever want to approach him. Very approachable. And this is all season now, despite all of his struggles. It doesn't matter if he's over his last 19. He's mm-hmm. there to talk. He's there to answer questions. He really is a super, super guy. And, and you, you tend to pull for those guys. But I've been there. We've all been there where those sometimes guys aren't as approachable. And, mm-hmm. you know, they won't talk about hitting when things aren't going well. So I, I respect him. I admire him for that because it's not easy. And you're right. You come to a new team and you want to prove that this trade was worthy and why you got me. And I think if he can do some of the things you just said, not only just hit some pitchers' mistakes, but we all, you're, I w- I'm with you. When With the ballpark renovations and they made this trade, it's almost like to me, I, in my head, I was thinking, wow, did they renovate this park knowing what they were going to do <laughs> transaction-wise? Yeah, it's, the, it's the house Dalton Varsho built. The guy, I, I mean, I don't, I don't even think, even if he OPS 720, mm. but hit his 25 to 30 home runs, that's to me where he brings the value. He doesn't need... I don't think he's necessarily, we don't know that yet, but I don't think you need an 800, 850 OPS from this guy. Just Mm-mm. run into 25 to 30 and do everything else that you do so well. Now you're valuable. It's just he hadn't been doing that, and he'd been easy to pitch to. So now he's on a bit of a heater. You ride it, and let's just hope it lasts another six weeks and then into October. Yeah, please. Um, and, yes, the defense is clearly spectacular. And despite he's only, even the bigger bases, I think he's got – what he's got 12 to 15 stolen bases somewhere in there. He's been caught a bunch. He's got 15 bags, yeah. Yeah, he's got 15 bags, which is solid. And he's been caught a, a, a few of those times, like a good percentage of his attempts, he's been caught stealing. Yeah, but his yeah. base running, I've always found electric. Maybe it's just the way that he runs. I know he's a first to third guy, but man, I, I do love watching him run the bases. But, you know, sticking with the mental part, how big do you think this series is just for this club mentally to win a series against the Baltimore team that was 2 and 8 against you heading into it? 
You know, as players, you get to a point where you you can doubt yourself, and you don't want that to be a collective as a group. But I'm sure this group, through some stretches, you know, it creeps in. But you don't want to be open about that. You don't want anybody else to know you're thinking that. And I'm sure it creeps into everybody's head. But as a group, when you come into Baltimore right here and play a game like last night, I would have to say this team should be at an all-time high arriving at the ballpark today. Does that mean they're going to win tonight? No. But after a game like that, I mean, Dan and I were commenting and Chris was producing the game and we're with the guys after the game with our crew and everybody just felt that vibe last night. It was exciting. I mean, the matchup with Rodriguez and Kukuchi was it's a big win because he had two pitchers pitching really, really well. Mm-hmm. But the way those bullpens went at it, and we know they both have very good bullpens, but um, I'm pretty sure you would agree that you take that Blue Jays bullpen with anyone in baseball right now, and they were unbelievable shutting down the Orioles the rest of the way. And, you know, you say couldn't get out of the fifth. He was frustrated, but I didn't doubt the move because you saw what happened. He missed a couple of pitches and then mm-hmm. a couple balls were hit hard. It's like, okay, this is the you say that, you know, that third time through, don't leave him in there too long. So Garcia wasn't pretty, but he got out of it. But the rest of the guys were unreal. So, I mean, those are the things that you've got to come to the ballpark. These guys know if they score some runs, like the, the you handed over to this pitching staff. Come on, this is one of the best in baseball. So, mm-hmm. once again, the long ball did it last night. But the offense knows if they just can keep it up a little bit. Like, that's that's the key to this team right now. And we know if October rolls around, we also know what plays in October. It's the long ball. Like, it's hard to string hits together against top pitching in October. So they need to be able to do things like they did last night. Exactly right. And, of course, you can't beat Bautista and Cano at the back end of that bullpen. But hmm. I, I do think that the Jays' collection of relievers right now and just the feeling you have of now that Richards is back too. and It's crazy. Yeah, it's I, crazy. I, I, I was texting with friends last night, like, how do you stack these guys, right? Where do you put these guys? And some people had different orders than the ones that I had. And some guys have yep. Hicks a little higher, a little lower. You know, Richard's a little higher, a little lower. Mesa a little higher, a little lower. And all you can think of is this is exactly what you want. This is just unbelievable, the amount of options that Schneider has as his disposal. This isn't like a too many, you know, when they, they always have the, what is it? If you have two quarterbacks, you have none kind of thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, this is the exact opposite of this. Like have as many of these guys as you can possibly have. And the Blue Jays just have them in abundance. Do you think that there's a stronger case for them to be able to win a World Series. I know that this is getting like way ahead of things. But yeah, yeah. Is, this, is this the strongest unit of the team now to you, even ahead of the starting pitching that's been so good this year? Yeah, that's how you win a World Series. That's yeah. how you go deep in October, right, is with that good bullpen. And I mean, so many factors, of course, but you're not going to do it without a great bullpen. And we see oftentimes in the playoffs, you know, the starters come out of the bullpen and all that. But this, the way that these guys can roll guys out there, you could even throw Kikuchi's left-handed arm down in that bullpen if it comes to late October, right, and add him to Mason Cabrera. I think with what they've assembled here, and I'll be the first to say, I remember the trade deadline last season, and I, I was very critical of the Blue Jays with the Anthony Bass acquisition. I thought, you know, good, you added the right-handed arm. But to me, it wasn't one of those kind of lockdown guys. And yes, I love the high velocity. We all do, but I know that's not the end all and be all, but I just, I thought I was hoping they could go a little bigger to add to a team that was ready to go. They were, they were ready to go last year. Look at this year and you add a Jordan Hicks. Now um, he's going to have his hiccups. We've seen them, but I'll take a hundred mile per hour sinker and just take my chances with him. You add that to Romano at the back end. Now he's back from his injury and looked Unbelievable last night, by the way. But the other guys that they're deploying, how about the sneakiest trade ever for Yanis Cabrera? 
That guy's coming in now. He can come in if you need him against a tough lefty. Like, he may have had to come in to see a Gunnar Henderson maybe in the fifth inning or sixth inning last night. And then you still have Mesa later on in the higher leverage. So mm-hmm. that's a critical piece, saving and having to Mesa. I thought that was the pitch of the game last night. When Mesa sawed off Gunnar Henderson to end that ninth inning, I was I was hoping he would stay hard. He's got the slider. I know it's his secondary pitch, but I'm a big fan. I called a game like that for years. Win or lose, you the best pitch. Doesn't mean you can't throw the other pitch, but don't you dare get hurt by it. If Gunnar Henderson hits a line drive somewhere on Tim Mesa's sinker. I can sleep well at night. You can go to bed and sleep well at night. You lost with your best pitch. But he jammed the heck out of him. It was a great pitch to get out of a critical situation. But, yeah, you can go in any order down there. You rank them however you want. But I think the way that they deploy these guys, this is like they're not just throwing relievers out there one at a time. There are reasons for everything they do. That's one thing I will give John Schneider. This is something I've really noticed about him. You ask him a question the next day. And he'll give you a reason why. And I, I can ask him whatever. I, I've got a couple things listed. But you can ask him why he went in the order he did. Why he did. There are reasons why. And that's all part of their you know, game plan going in where you've got your slotting guys into certain spot, spots in the order. And it's all by design. And there are reasons. There be, I don't have to agree all the time. But I'll tell you one thing he's going to do. He's going to give me a good reason why he did it. And that's, that's pretty refreshing. Yeah. I didn't, I, I'll be honest. I didn't love the Kikuchi pull. Um, I, and I didn't like it. Why? Well, this is, here's why, um, I know that he looked a little bit like old you say, but I still want to, I thought that he made the one real bad mistake pitch, right? Who's the Mateo is the nine hitter where he, he hung the slider and he just leaves it over the plate. So meaty, so mad about it. The walk was an amazing at bat where it went, okay, Mm -hmm. he struck out Ryan Mountcastle. who's like the the hottest hitter in all of baseball, right? He, yeah. I just thought he was showing something and he's been so your guy in, he, you know, that walk there of Hayes, I'm saying, well, that's the guy that you wanted to walk anyways. And I just loved what Kikuchi has done for you the last month and a half. And maybe I, again, this is more of a, probably you're watching it through the eyes of a catcher saying like, I know he doesn't have his stuff bringing the other guy. I'm watching it through the eyes of a sports fan. Who's like, ah, oh, he made one mistake. Let him have the rope. I would just be trying to empower a guy that has been your best pitcher for, what, almost two months now and say, we're going to let you work out of this gym. And if they were going to go to the bullpen, I just I didn't love that it was Jimmy. I know that Jimmy's been better lately, um, mm-hmm. but I just I've never been a trust Garcia and leverage guy. I know it was, again, another good at bat. It was maybe yeah. good process, bad result. But I, I have a feeling of show faith to your guy there, especially when he clearly just sort of wanted the ball. Like, think about this. is how I'll wrap it up. I know it's long winded. All I could think about with Kikuchi was, man, last year when the wheels started to fall off, you felt like, oh, my God, they're just it, – it's all coming apart. It's all over. And there he is after, yeah, a, a tough mistake that he makes, striking out Mountcastle uh, – or, sorry, got Mountcastle and he struck out Henderson, right? That's the way Henderson, it went? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I yeah. got that one wrong. And then Jansen throws a bad – he makes a bad throw. He bounces one. Yep. And I yep. went – you know, he still seemed pretty locked in. I just, I wanted to let him have that rep because I think that you say Kikuchi, like as of today, to me is the second most important starter for this baseball. Like if I was doing, hey, go into a playoff series, I'd split up my righties and I would go Gossman one, Kikuchi two, and Barrios three. I don't disagree with sticking with a guy because I'm normally of that mindset. Mm-hmm. Think back to the playoffs and Kevin Gosman. I mean, I wanted to see that I game. That but too. the reason the reason I wanted that was because he's Kevin Gosman and yeah. he is your number one horse. Now you could argue Kikuchi is that right now. That part I get. 
However, I still go by that name on the back of the jersey, and we sure. know what you see. As great as he's been this year, look at that inning. He doesn't execute the pitch to Mateo for the base hit. He doesn't execute the pitch to Rutschman. Now, these weren't bad sliders. They yeah. were down, but yeah. still hit hard. And then Mountcastle lined the ball pretty hard to yeah. left. Like, these are, this is what you're watching as a manager, as a catcher, as a pitch coach. I'm sure they're watching those things. And then you get Henderson in the lefty-lefty matchup, and I thought, Hayes is a plate appearance, yes, and he walked him. And I even said it. I I didn't mind the walk to Hayes because I'd rather almost yeah. use that open base. Hayes is probably more dangerous than Westberg in terms of damage, so I didn't mind it. I didn't know for sure if he was going to go to Jimmy, but I didn't mind it. Mm-hmm. Westberg gives you good AB, man. Like, oh, that was so. I you know the right decision is the one that works. <laughs> it didn't work with Jimmy because he got the RBI double, mm-hmm. but I did not mind that at all. I thought the situation dictated that. Ooh, you're playing with fire if you keep you sail here any longer. Yeah, and listen, you're probably right. It's just the thing you said about hey, the name on the back of the jersey. That's where yeah. I'm nervous about how that could impact a guy like Kikuchi, who has been so confident, so dominant, and who I will. Yeah. I will guarantee you the frustration we saw, and I'll ask you say today from yeah. Kikuchi when he came out of that game. It wasn't about coming out of the game. It was about his it pitching. It was about it was about his pitching. It was about not executing a couple of pitches to those guys, and then yes, walking Hayes. I know he didn't want to walk Hayes, but it, that was all the prelude. What were they at bats ahead of those? That I'm sure he'd love to have those pitches back. Pitchers don't want to come out out of the game in the fifth inning. That's the worst walk in the world from the mound to the dugout when you're coming out of the game. Your team's leading. You don't want to let them down, and you can't get out of that thing. It's the worst feeling. I've been on the mound with those pitchers, and they leave angrily. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he wanted to walk off with his team at least to go that five innings. Yeah. Um, man, he's been so good. And, yeah, yeah. I, oh I, I think the thing you said about Gossman, and I know it's Gossman versus Kikuchi, but that definitely played a factor into the way I was feeling about it. When Schneider came out, I was like, you didn't learn your lesson. <laughs> that was yeah. that, that was the tougher one for me. It was the, the, the PTSD of the, as a baseball fan. <laughs> um, so uh, I do want to also, the big play from that game is Bo, right? He makes the yeah. incredible defensive play. And I, I know this is one play. So, and we, like, we've talked about how long a baseball season, how biggest sample is going from talking about VAR shows months to month and uh, yeah, Brandon Belt from the beginning of the season to now. But what have you seen from his defense this year? Do, do you see a guy who's improving? Do you see a guy who's getting better? Like, what, what do you make of Bo at that position today? I just see him as more steady. And that's all you need from Bo. You don't need him to be a gold glover with the offense he provides, right? I mean, just don't be the guy that you can't trust when the ball hits a shortstop or that you're sitting on the edge of your seat saying, make this play, catch this ball, make a good throw. And there were times last year where it was tough. And I think Bo's just playing with him. We know that he plays with a level of confidence that's uh, off the charts. And I remember talking to him in spring training. I think a lot of it, especially, I mean, a lot of great athletes will tell you this, and Bo's in that category, was don't be afraid to make a mistake. Don't like, I don't want to say don't care, but be aggressive. And you can't, you know, he had that quote last week about being fearless. Well, part of being fearless is not being afraid to make mistakes, because if you're going to be afraid to make mistakes, you're going to be walking around on eggshells. And, and, you know, the opposite of that is, you know, playing with your hair on fire a little bit, like, don't be afraid to make mistakes. And because he is so good at what he does, he can do that. Now, again, is he ever going to be a gold glover? I I don't think so. No, but, if he can just be an average shortstop with the offense he's provides, he's an unbelievably valuable player. And I think that's what he's doing. And that was a funny play, though. You know, when he ranged to his right, it was it was almost like he 
not foul on the ball. It was almost like it wasn't a dive. It wasn't that all-out dive, right? It was kind of like tackled the ball a little bit, and that's why I think he got tangled up a little bit with his feet and threw from that kind of an unorthodox position up and over the top as he's falling backwards. Mm-hmm. I mean, ideally, you want to go to your backhand there, whether it's a dive or on your feet, and might be an off-balance throw. But he, I think it, it looked so out of the ordinary because he got tangled up a little bit. And the way he, when you see him catch that ball, it's almost like he, he like got on top of it and tackled it and then he had to come up and over. So that part of it probably wasn't ideal, but wow. Yeah. A big play, but at a big time too. And that's, that's what great plays come from. When they come at critical parts in the game, they're, they're, they're unbelievable. And that was, that was a classic one at a key time. Um, this is a little bit more of a nitpicky one. But uh, don't nitpick. Don't nitpick. No, I, 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 I got to. I, I because I just want to get your opinion on it in general. And because so I'm sitting there on Twitter last night. It's right after Vladdy grounds into the double play, and you know Vlad put some hits together last night. It was good to see him do that. Nice to see the finger was fine. I actually wondered if the Jays in an important game were going to give him an extra day's rest, given the off day, and just say, hey, find yourself. Try to you know find your power, find your strength, whatever. Whatever's been bothering him lately. But uh, yeah, this guy, Brandon Kuhn, who I follow on Twitter, uh, a guy who I really like, good good baseball tweets just in general. He pointed out having belt in front of Vladdy when Vladdy is, you know, hitting into so many double plays, having that guy who doesn't have speed on the Bates pass right in front of him. Do you, do you like the Jays' batting order right now? Like, do you like the way that they have these guys positioned? Yeah, I don't mind it at all. I mean, yeah. I like the Springer move down. Yeah. Um, Witt's been been very good. Had a rough one last night, but he, he gives you a good AB. Still, yep. probably not my classic leadoff hitter per se. And things could change, I'm sure, next year. I do like Bo too because of the damage he can provide up there. But with Belt ahead of Vladdy, uh, again, I think the obvious reason is because you want an on base guy in front of Vladdy, trying to get more guys on base. Now, <laughs> Vladdy hit home runs really though, been... Vladdy, because that's the thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> put not, the ball in the not... air. Yeah, that's the problem. And Vladdy's just, I don't want to say he's been a mess all year, but he just hasn't been Vladdy, right? Like, he set this bar so high, and I think it's because we all know what he's capable of. And you can talk about minor league ballparks and all that stuff. I just look still, again, mechanically of the swing, and it's very different now. And it's not the same as 21. And it's that's why he's not getting the same result. Does he get get hits? Absolutely. He is the freakiest talent I've ever seen in a batter's box. The things that he can do when he's what I would say is not even right. Like he's not right this year. And he's putting up pretty decent numbers. We're a big league hitter. It's just, that's not what he should be. Right. We're glad he should be the 950 OPS guy. We think with 35 home runs and that's not happening. So that to me is a big, that's been a big issue for this offense all year. Mm-hmm. I think he would unfortunately have to be the number one guy appoint to that and the, the production of Springer as well. That's been so, so far down from what we were expecting from him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't, I don't mind the way it is right now. I think it's fine that they did make the little bump with Varsho and Chapman there down lower, but I mm-hmm. think up top it, it's fine. You, you have to like, Vladdy can still produce and he's still, believe it or not, still pretty good with runners in scoring position. Uh, you know, not Solid. a whole lot of, not a whole lot of pop and damage per se, but he can mm-hmm. still get things done because again, he missed hits balls a hundred miles an hour and they find holes and, it's just crazy what he can do, but hopefully uh, he has a really good off season, comes back to spring training next year and finds that stroke because it's just, I just don't see the same load. It looks like he's almost fighting it and trying to create things in his swing that aren't there. The mm-hmm. hands are kind of coming down a lot more than we saw last year and that gather that he's got. It's, it's kind of a quick gather and go as opposed to that good load and coil. The things that, that he did, it was, it was textbook that we saw a couple of years ago and his body's just not doing that right now. 
So by the sounds of it, it doesn't like I tried to compare him to Bo a couple of days ago or a week ago of, hey, he can change the narrative with a hot close to the season. It it sounds like you don't think that's happening this year, that this is going to be offseason work that that fixes Vlad. I'm hoping wrong, but I think Vladdy will just keep doing what he's doing. He'll be getting hits and hit the odd double like he did last night and cashing mm-hmm. in some runs on occasion. It's just, yeah, I think his, his swing is very rushed. He, he's got a lot going on, and he's late, and that's why I think the fastball has been an issue for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know why teams are throwing him off-speed pitches. I, I don't think he would see one for me unless it was a slider way away. But to leave anything off-speed in the zone, I think you're just helping his bat speed right now because, again, I think what he's doing mechanically – it's late and it's rushed. And when you're late and rushed, you're, you're getting jumpy at the ball. And uh, that's when velocity can get you because you're cutting down that distance to the pitch. Last one. Uh, and I, it is weird closing on one that's a little stranger, but what, what's your feeling around the Manoa stuff right now? It's been weird. Yeah. Weird. I was going to say it's, it's going to be day 13. Now they're, they're in a playoff race where if something should happen, you would think that, you would want him available, but I just, I can't imagine him not pitching for 13 days or 14 days or whatever the hell this number is going to run up to. And then the Jays toss him out on the mound ahead of Bowden Francis. And it's just, it's, it's too quiet. Like I, 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 the, the statements that the blue Jays have given publicly and the stuff that's leaked out is just, Hey, we've got a plan. And then you're like, yeah, but why, why is the plan not happening then? Why is he here? Why aren't we hearing from him? Yeah, what I guess beyond you said weird. It just I'm I, I feel as though this is this is starting to creep up for me in terms of bigger story than it may have seemed when I first heard about it a week ago. Well, that's what it seems like because when a player is optioned to AAA and I guess doesn't report, and if he's still in Toronto, like to me, I don't understand. Is he on the Buffalo roster? I'm guessing mm-hmm. on paper. But is he physically in Toronto? Is he pitching in Toronto? Is he throwing bullpen sessions? Is he throwing live? It's it's strange. Why I don't know. Say that, that's what I don't get. I like to me though the simple the answer is like he has to be on some list. And if he's on the Buffalo roster in AAA, but he's physically in Toronto, then there has to be an answer to why he's in Toronto. And so th- th- obviously there's something going on that they do not want to share. And mm-hmm. that for me right away that's when the flag goes up for me like. Oh, okay. Something's going on here. <laughs> That's all I can. I mean, you might as well interpret because you're not getting an answer. It's so weird too, because this guy has been team, 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 team from the moment, you know, we saw him. I, I, I still yeah. reference this with Manoa, the, like <laughs> the, why I loved the pick. I don't watch college baseball. I don't know anything about college. I don't know anything about a prospect. It's my favorite time of years when the MLB draft or something like that happens. And people have like a strong opinion about the person coming up that aren't actual scouts. I'm like, how could you know? But I loved the way his teammates reacted when he came off the mound and when his manager came out and was like, your career here at West Virginia is done. And the way they surrounded him, the way they applauded him, and everything has been team, team, team with him with the Blue Jays. And he's been the top step guy, the attitude guy. And so that, that's just an, a, an added shocking component in all of this is like, if that's the case, it's the only reason he's getting the benefit of the doubt right now is that, yeah, he's given really no indications of being a guy who would cause difficulties with an organization. But I, I just, I don't know what other conclusion you can draw when the, the team isn't saying anything, the player isn't saying anything. And it's just, yeah, I, I don't ever remember a thing like this. I, I can't re- recall a time where this has ever happened. So yeah, I'm starting to get nervous. I'm starting to get a little bit of sweaty palms, uh, Joe. Well, and you certainly hope he's okay. You hope it's not a personal issue. For that sure. they're trying, you know, they don't want to make public. And that's why I think I just, you know, I don't ask any further questions. Clearly they don't yeah. want anybody to know. So you don't, 
you don't get the information. But, uh, yeah, you just hope things are okay with Alex. Yeah, I hope so, too. Joe, thanks again for the time today. I appreciate it, man. All right, man. Have a great day. Enjoy this one tonight. Should you be too. a lot of fun. Have a great call. Joe Siddle, Jay's analyst, one of the best. One of my favorite guys to get to pick the brain of because he says stuff like the Vladdy thing. And I go, am I smart because I got to hear you speak? <laughs> <laughs> am I Am I smarter now? <laughs> no, is the answer. Yeah. <sighs> That's the concern always is that you have an opinion on something like this and so it is better to lean staying away. I just, I, I don't understand. I just don't get what the optics are, why it wouldn't be a good thing to quiet it down and just say, hey, he's dealing with something personal right now and we're asking that you give him his space. Yeah. Like, instead who, of just. That's what I mean. Why, why would you leave it? If, it? if it was that, I would actually blame the PR staff, whoever's in charge of this situation or this information and just saying, people are, I, I believe, anyways, people are mostly good. I, I cannot envision a scenario where people are going to start saying, oh, it's a personal issue, and then they're going to start diving into it or looking into it or researching it. Like, that's, I, I don't know. I, I just don't. Yeah. That, that, to me, makes far less sense. Far less sense. This is the Occam's razor thing. What, what, what's the simplest outcome? What's the most logical outcome? Well, the most logical outcome is that the guy who went down to the Florida Complex League is pissed off, that he's, he's pissed that he got bumped again. That he was a Cy Young candidate a year ago. He's competitive. He put out some decent results. He wanted to work through it at a big league level. He feels like he did his time in the minors. He feels like he did his time. And now he's looking at this and saying, I, I, I don't feel like I need to prove anything else at Buffalo. I don't, I don't feel like I need to work these things out down in the minors anymore. I want to be up here. Now I'm pissed. I already sacrificed. I think it may have cost him money. It did cost him money because the Super 2 status. Mm-hmm. He might be a little embarrassed. This is a guy who's very public-facing. It's a little weird seeing him still in all the Blue Jays commercials, essentially, that they've shot because he was one of the faces of the franchise. And so, to me, just (sighs) the only way that you don't benefit from speaking on it is if it's bad. You benefit speaking on it by saying he would like his space right now. We're dealing with something internally, and it's, it's a personal matter for him. We'd like to respect his space at this time, and we support Alec through everything that he needs. Done. Cool. Story goes goes completely away. No one's talking about it. It's just, hey, hope everything's all right. It's probably messages from the fans hoping that he's doing great. Mm -hmm. People drop it. It leaves headlines. It doesn't show up on sportsnet.ca. I don't talk about it on the radio. People don't do it on podcasts. Fans don't tweet about it. Like You should move on. Yeah. I I just don't. I don't don't understand the approach if that is the, the situation. But at this point, someone tell me a time where this has happened, where there's been silence around a superstar player, a Cy Young candidate who got sent down. I mean, his whole situation is a little tough to even to talk about, but who, who got sent down, who was designated for Simon. The team is publicly saying that's the other part of this, too. That's the other part of this where it's harder to envision that this would be the approach with personal matter stuff is the team has kind of stated, yo, we want we there's a plan for him to pitch. We, we want him down in the below. Mm-hmm. No further comments at this time. At, at some point, it's going to have to get addressed. I know they don't want to derail the momentum of what they're doing. This is always a classic move of, uh, I would say, hardo fans and also players alike, where they align for this take as though this actually means something, where they go, we're just trying to focus on the playoff run ahead. Again, sure, then address what's going on. This team is for the public. It's, it's for people. It's an entertainment product. Uh, 
Anyway, the, the least entertaining a sporting event has ever been for me. The worst, the time I had the least fun with sports. They keep, they keep drilling it at me. Next. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Yeah, Austin's playing Drake right now. And I got to tell you, the weirdest thing for my social media right now is Drake makes TMZ or national news nonstop for two things right now. Holding up bras. Mm -hmm. Well, there's three things because there's the girl Bobby Altoff or whatever, the saga amongst the two of them. And the weirdness of that, I actually... (laughs) I watched a bunch of that interview just to see what all the hubbub was about. And I I can't for the life of me understand what the hell, how she became who she was, why he did that, why that was ever (laughs) in the news. Anyway, Drake is just, clearly he's so famous that, and he obviously does massive clicks that anything he does is going to make headlines, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it's just, here's the two things that I'm constantly seeing right now with Drake. Here's a bra and he holds it up and he goes, look. A bra. It's big. And people go, oh, <laughs> a big bra at a music show. What a what a novel thing to have happen. This has never happened Surely before. Surely <laughs> this is the first time that this has ever happened. And then two, Drake talks about a basketball player. <laughs> he goes on stage. He talks about an NBA player. And they go, Drake talked about this basketball player. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Very cool. Was it anything insightful? No. He was just being Drake and saying that these basketball players liked him, supported him, and he liked them. Nice. News. In the feed. Put it up. TMZ. They're in that little bullpen thing that they used to do on the show, all getting around. Guys, what do you have today? Do you see Drake? He was was talking at, at his concert instead of doing songs, which... No one wants. We all just want the songs. <laughs> we paid everybody there paid a billion dollars to see you, and we're not getting the songs. We're getting mm-hmm. boob talk. <laughs> no, move on. LeBron talk. No, move on. Anyway, uh, no more. Dit- pause on that for now. Thank you. Um, okay, so yeah, Richard Sherman has a podcast. Blah blah blah. Guess how he's getting it big. He had Pete Carroll on, and they talked about the worst moment in my sports life, which was yeah, you guys, right here. Yeah, you guys are so mad at me and so <laughs> hurt. I, I, I wish so I could feel it the way I should feel it, but, you know, that, you gotta play, keep going. that play just happened. Yeah. It wasn't, like, by design. It wasn't. There was no agenda. That play just happened. You guys couldn't hear it for years, but... When we got down there, if you remember, we had one time out. Mm. And so as soon as we got there, I said, one of these plays, we're going to have to throw it. Right. It just was the worst play that could ever happen, you know? <laughs> and the guy makes a, he a, made a heck of a play, play of a life. I, I, I a play of a career, career for everybody's career, really. <laughs> and, it, and it turned all of that so dark, so instantly. Yeah. It was just as catastrophic as any moment could be. But the thing was, had we won that game, we'd have oh, won the won next year. We'd have won again. Because <laughs> we went back to the playoffs anyway. Yeah. Uh, they... <sighs> I don't know if they would have won again, but I think they would have been the favorites to win again. That team was dominant, brilliant, and unfortunately because that play, they're sort of lost to history because the Super Bowl that they won was such an ass-kicking that people, they go, oh, right, that one, the one that sucked. 
the one where we were all sort of rooting for Peyton Manning, and then, yeah, he, they fumbled the first snap. It gets lost because they fumbled the first snap, it goes in the end zone, and the game is over. Mm-hmm. And so people don't even give Seattle credit for that to a degree. It, it, it's true. It sucks. If you're yeah. a Seahawks fan, it sucks because that one's kind of a lost Super Bowl, and then the next year it's one of the most famous ones because it's part of the Patriots dynasty, and it's a signature play. It's an all-time Super Bowl play. It's a where-were-you moment. And then Seattle, all the stories are there, and they're talking about it, which is they could never get over that play. They could never move off of it. They hated Pete Carroll. They thought there might have been an agenda for Russell Wilson ahead of Marshawn, all these different things, all these theories. The locker room was divided, blah, blah, blah. The rest is history. Here's what I have to say, though. I watched it. I have closure with that play. I'll never fully. Really? I'll never fully. I'll never fully, like, not have it hurt to a degree, mostly because of the reasons I outlined. Mm -hmm. But people send it to me sometimes now, like friends try to troll me with it, or, you know, sometimes a listener will send me something, and I'm like, okay, and the instant delete. It, it just doesn't hurt the way that it did anymore. It's like, I've, I've got closer. I watched that whole clip. Austin was like, I don't know if you'll be able to watch this. I was like, yeah, but I watched it just fine. It was actually pretty interesting. So yeah, I have closure with it. Time heals all wounds. They were right. A decade later, and I'm there. Subscribe to the podcast, leave five stars, share it. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JD Bunkus. See you tomorrow.